You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, you're listening to the Wig Hackers podcast, where you get the real feeling of what goes on working on the hair side of the entertainment industry. You never know where my rants will go, so stay tuned. Hey guys, welcome back to the Wig Hackers podcast. And boy, do I have a special guest. It's a blast from the past for me, technically, because I am ancient. Sammy Gale, holy cow. You're grown. Oh, I know you're probably like, oh my gosh, I know, I'm old. Um, <laughs> Sammy and I met on Patty the Pony Gypsy, which is my technically my first full-time Broadway show. Uh, I know I went through a lot on that show, Sammy. Um, how was your experience on that show? If you want to say hi to my, my, all my people who are listening are very um, wig lovers. They love wigs, they love hair. They love, they just love all of that. So um, maybe introduce yourself, tell us a little about you, what you like to do for your fun. Okay, well, my name is Sammy. Um, since you all are very interested in wigs, I will tell you about my first wig experience that I can remember. So before we did Gypsy at the St. James, we did Gypsy at the city center. And I was 11 years old, had never done a show before. I had only danced. I learned how to sing and act for the audition. And it was my first show. And I had to wear a very sort of heavy duty, gorgeous, very tight curled wig and I had never experienced putting a wig on before so they prepped my hair my hair was very short at the time they had to put it in very tight curls and they applied all of these pins before putting the wig on and then they put the wig on and applied a ton more pins into the wig and I was heavily uncomfortable there were pins that were stuck everywhere just scratching my scalp and I didn't know what to say I thought maybe this is normal you know what what do I do so I went through the whole show to the point where when I took the wig off I was virtually in tears and the person doing my hair could see that someone something was wrong and they said to me they were like Sammy what's going on I said this hurts so bad they were like why didn't you just tell me we could have pulled one pin (laughs) 
So I became the worst person. As soon as I felt something even slightly bother me in terms of pins in my head, once I started working more on Broadway because I always was wearing a wig in every show I did, I immediately said, we gotta get this thing off. Put <laughs> the pin, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. Because I just remember having the worst headache ever. I remember every time you would come off, well, when it transferred to Broadway and you would come off stage after your number, it'd be like wig off, panting, water, and then we would see you like for curtain call to put it back on with like the three pins. No, we had quite the active backstage life. You guys were. I mean, the knitting. I know I knitted with you. you taught, your mother taught me how to knit basically. She's like, here's some yarn. So I bought like the biggest ones and we all started knitting in the back. I still have it. There's a huge hole in it. I say I did it on purpose, but I have no idea what I did. Wow, um, my mom taught you how to knit. That's I don't remember that. Yeah, she brought yarn for all of us because, you know, um, the department like head. I don't like to talk names during that time in my life. So the department head was a knitter. So we said, let's all knit together. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, but yes, of course he was a knitter, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so then. Okay, sorry. What? I know no. I'm doing you. So can you catch me up on what's happened to everyone working in the department? Is everybody, I feel like some people moved. Yeah, um, let's see. So Heather, she came in and replaced Carmel. So um, Heather is still working hard. She, she's, I forgot what show she's on. She's on a show. Uh, we just did some some training for COVID, good old training. Um, and then Carmel has retired. She's officially retired. I know that. Uh, she's texted me late at night sometimes. I think my name must be also in her phone as like something else. Jeff is doing TV, from what I hear. In New York or in LA? Uh, New York, from what I hear. Um, uh, my, not my, um, oh my gosh, what was his name? Who took over for him? Maddie. So Maddie is doing TV, uh, doing, um, he did. Um, I love him. What's her name? Um, um, uh, Hello Dolly. So he did Hello Dolly and was a department head on that. And then um, the other person, I think, where it's at Supercuts now. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, and then here I am. You know, just... Okay, okay. I, I, that's everyone. Your people are running every show on Broadway, despite the... <laughs> well, I mean, I moved now, on. Now, moved... I know. I'm trying to, I, well, I just did NBC, so we moved on, thank God because you know, the pay is a little different now. But but what was your first Broadway show? My first Broadway show was The Grinch, actually. Uh, uh. James as well. So at the end of Gypsy, I booked The Grinch and I did The Grinch in the same theaters um, Gypsy ended up transferring to. Um, and then about a month later, when The Grinch closed, we started rehearsing Gypsy. And then we opened Gypsy in March, and I thought I was moving to New York in the summer of, I guess it was 2007 or 2008. Yeah, know. yeah. Um, just to do Gypsy for two months. And well, where are you based out of? Where were you living? I was based in Florida. Ah. And I was living in a hotel to start. Then I got a lease that was a little bit 
longer. Then I got a lease that was even longer than longer. that. And eventually I bought an apartment. <laughs> and, and now I've, I've been in New York for, I think, 13 years. Wow. I mean. Uh, although now I'm currently, I'm, I'm quarantining in Florida. Okay. Um, so Real I'm back quarantine. in the But I haven't spent this much time here in probably since I moved to New York. I'm, but you've been booked. You've been like, you're busy. Like you were not, uh, yes, uh-huh, wood, knocking. No, I mean, literally. <laughs> because even when we were still doing Gypsy, you were still auditioning for, what was that other show? Um, I got it, Billy Elliot. Yeah. We in conversation, Arthur was like, you should not leave the show. I was like, I, he's like, don't worry, I know you've exceeded, in our contract, there was a height. And if you exceeded that height, yeah. I think they could, as a child, they could say, Yeah, height. Remember the cracking, uh, when the, the cracking, what, well, what was his name? Uh, he cracked on stage and we're like, oh, he's done. Oh, I remember this. <laughs> We were, it was a ruthless hair room. We were pretty oh. rough. Oh my goodness. Was it Matthew? It was I Matthew. Never, I would never have said that. Oh my goodness. No, we, we were, we, we were, we were pretty bad. Uh, what was your best experience on the Broadway end? Cause I didn't do city center. That was our thing. Like, like at city center, we weren't there. Uh, what was one of your like favorite experiences that like just sticks out? Well, when I started at City Center, this is kind of a strange uh, experience, but I think it was the experience that instilled in me the work ethic that I have today. I had been given notes by our director, who I absolutely adored. He was like a grandfather to me. And I went on stage, I implemented the notes, for some reason, I don't know if he forgot that he told me to do something a certain way or he was just not in a very jovial mood that day. Um, but we had a note session and he was so upset at the performance I had given having implemented those notes. And I remember everyone in the Past, sort of coming to me after uh, saying, you know, don't worry, he probably just forgot that he gave you that note. And at the time, it felt very frightening as a, as a kid just to, to be told, I mean, he, he did it in a very sort of polite manner, but just to be told in front of everyone that you had done something wrong at 11 years old felt really scary. Um, but no but I learned at that moment that there was not room for error in that case I actually implemented what he told me to do um, but he ingrained in me the sense that I needed to always be on my toes always be doing 110% because you never know when someone's watching and they're gonna see that one thing that you didn't do right um, and from that moment forward, I think it was always in the back of my mind that everything had to be 110%. And I am forever grateful to him for that experience because 
it will stick with me for the rest of my life as sort of emblematic of how I need to be in the workplace. And we were, after that, I, I moved on to be in the Broadway version. He kept me on, even though I far exceeded the height, as I said. And uh, I think I learned more from him than most people I have learned from in this industry. So I am eternally grateful. You want to tell my, the, the listeners who it was? Arthur Lawrence. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a big deal. <laughs> I mean, that's to start your career with the author, Arthur Lawrence, like, holy, I mean, I only remember his assistant. I, I never, I, you know, Mr. <laughs> and you remember, this is great. He was just the most wonderful man. Like, he was the most fashionable guy. Like, nine, he was 90-something when he was directing our show. And he was just incredible. Oh my another, God. another great experience. I mean, there are so many great experiences. <laughs> but I also remember when Stephen Sondheim came into a room with Patrick Bacquiello and gave me, like, four songs to sing on the Gypsy album that had never been sung before. Mm. Also a pretty special moment. And then just every moment with Patty. Patty and I are still pretty close. She's sort of remained a, a motherly figure to me. Aww. I did that show. Uh, and we've been fortunate actually to work in a lot of the same places. I've seen her like while I was working in London and she was in London and there, things like that. And. Uh, what a, what a cute mom. acting uh, I received from her and from Boyd and Laura. And I mean, I could not appreciate at the time what I was doing. You know what I mean? Working with Arthur Lawrence and this just world-class group of actors who were so caring and empathetic and willing to shepherd me into the industry because up until that point, I had never done any singing or acting and it it was you never done any singing before i learned to sing tomorrow for the audition oh arthur saying arthur always said that i was so fearless I, I try and remember that as i get older and become sort of jaded by all the rejection you experience oh. in the business i try and remember that arthur always said i was fearless and i need to be fearless and take risks and go for things and you know, never get down with regards to all the rejection that you face. And I've been fortunate to have a lot of success. Um, but I went into an audition, I sang, I acted, I tapped on point. I'd never been on point off the bar when I auditioned for that show. And he asked me, can you tap on point? And I was like, sure. <laughs> oh, well, no, you were very go-getter. I knew that from, yeah, no, you were, nothing you couldn't do. I, why did I not know this? You learned all of that for that role. Yeah. Holy. So, so when was your last dance class? <laughs> well, it's actually a really sad subject. Um, so oh. my ballet teacher who I adore more than anything, he unfortunately passed away at the start of COVID. Um, and I think it will be very difficult to continue going to class without him, though I will because he was alive, he would say 
Sammy, get your butt to the bar. <laughs> um, but it was with him and it must have been about a, some months ago, almost probably a year, I'd say in the fall. Um, which six months of this year have sort of right. gone from quarantine. So it's been, it's been a, a minute. I really wish that I had taken another ballet class before I left New York. Okay, did not mean to make that a bit no, of- No, no, like, no, oh, it's, sorry. Totally, it's totally ah. okay, totally okay. Oh my gosh. Um, what do you like better, TV or Broadway or theater? There are two entirely different animals. If I was living in a dream world, I'd be working in TV during the day or in film and then doing Broadway at night. There is certainly nothing like a live audience the energy that is generated from a room full of 5,000 people receiving your energy on stage, that connection is so special. However, the reach um, of something like film and TV and the fact that it's preserved, you know, in beauty is incredible too. Um, the thing about theater, versus TV that is interesting is that you sort of delve into one piece and the challenge is how do I make this new every night? Huh? Right, mm -hmm. that's where the excitement yeah. comes. In film and TV, it's everything is new and exciting because <laughs> changing constantly. You know, you work on a thing for a few weeks and then you move on to the next episode or to the next yeah. film. So I think both mediums provide different excitement and for somebody like me who thrives doing a million different things at once I would really like to, to do to all do of both. them. Yeah. But I, I, do, I do miss doing theater for sure. I mean was that the last time you did theater? No so after Gypsy I did a few plays. I Ooh. worked with the Atlantic Theater Company. Oh yeah. Uh, MCC, uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah. Jonathan Demi's first play, and then when that closed, it was getting to be sort of a lot to maintain both households in Florida and New York, and we thought we were going to move home. I was at the time 14, and I got an audition for a commercial that Tony Kay was directing. He directed American History X, pretty famous director. And he saw me and he was doing a movie with Adrian Brody, although Adrian Brody wasn't in it at the time. And he said, I want you for the commercial, but also please be in this movie. And that was sort of the catalyst for the rest of my film and television career. Adrian worked with me actually on the audition for Blue Bloods. Oh. And on the last day of that film detachment, I got Blue Bloods. And you work in Blue Bloods in the department of blue bloods yeah. so you'll know millie emily mm -hmm. so millie works on detachment no i know see millie it's such like, a small her, her too. yeah what a small i mean it is a small world i mean you know small, yeah. like everyone is i remember the first time when she had me on and of course it was, we were out, you know, we weren't at the stage. So I'm like, oh, of course I won't see Sammy. But I think you showed up that day just to be like, hi guys. 
come and hang out. Yeah, that's totally right. I'm like, wait, you're not even supposed to. You're not even on the call sheet. Yeah, no, that was that was that was special. Aww. Oh my gosh. Um, did you do anything special for your character on Blue Bloods? Like, did you do anything? Like, I don't know. You know, some are. Many things. <laughs> so many I mean, things. I mean, your hair grew. Was this planned? How was this? How was this incorporated? No, that was more. A, that was more like a me thing when okay. I went to college. So one year ahead of Nikki going to Columbia, I actually went to Columbia, and I was going to Columbia and doing the show. And doing the show. And at one time, we did my brother's movie Candy Jar. Yeah. All simultaneously. <laughs> of course you did. In First Atlanta. Off. That was shooting in Atlanta, so I was at one point, I mean, Blue Bloods and school and the movie, everyone was just amazing to make that happen because at one point, we shot the movie Wednesday to Sunday so I could be available for Blue Bloods on Monday and Tuesday. I boarded all of my classes after 1 p.m. because most of the time when we're shooting family dinner, we shoot at like five in the morning and then we go until around one or two. So I thought, okay, I'll board all my classes into Monday and Tuesday because I could do that post 1 p.m. And then I could shoot in the morning from like 5 a.m. to around that time and then still make it sort of to class. And then on Tuesday night, I would fly out very late to Atlanta. Wednesday morning, if you, I don't know if you saw Candy Jar, but I'm in like every scene. Yes. Um, so Wednesday morning, we'd start shooting. We'd shoot till Sunday night, very late. Sometimes one time we shot till literally 3 a.m. on Monday and I flew back to New York and then went to set and started all over again and truthfully it was the best one of the best experiences in my life I love doing things like that um, but yes I went to college while I was doing blue bloods and other things too um, but when I got to college I keep going on tangents I thought, oh, well, I've never had long hair. This would be fun, it's a good time. I'm like learning who I am, I'm gonna grow my hair out. So I grew my hair out of college. And I've kept it, cause it just, I had it short for so many years. Yeah. I sort of liked being able to have it done in many different styles for events rather than just a few. Uh, although I did really love my my short hair too, it was way easier, and I had way less time in hair and makeup than right? I do now. But uh, in terms of things that I do for the show, the one that sticks out in my mind, I do, like I said, so many things to prepare to go to work. But the one that was a really special experience for me was we did an episode where my character was preparing to take the police exam in order to go to the police academy. She thought that that's what she wanted to do. And she's always sort of had an affinity for public service in that way. And I thought, well, I better do this. I better know what I'm talking about. So I went online and started taking like mock police exams, or maybe I even took, I don't know what I took that it was a practice test, but it was the hardest thing I have ever seen in my life. You have to know, like, they'll ask you, they'll give you a bunch of pictures and you'll see them for a minute and they'll say, 
many air conditioning units are in these like 20 different mini pictures that are all put on the screen at once. It's the hardest thing to explain. It's sort of like when you, you know when you like pay a bill online or you're like sh you're shopping and they want to confirm that it's a human doing it, not a dog. So they show you a bunch of pictures and like, yeah. where are all the lights? It comes up like that, except there are like 20 and the things that you're supposed to know are so minute in the picture. <laughs> and they're like in there and I just, the awareness it, of police officers in terms of like having to be able to see everything everywhere, it, it amazed me. Um, and I, I, I would have failed, so. <laughs> so you took a test. My character was better than me. My character was better than me. <laughs> That, it, it doesn't, A, it doesn't surprise me. To be quite honest, it does not surprise me that you almost became a cop. <laughs> On the show? Yeah. Oh, I would have loved that too, yeah. But even you as a person, like, because, oh. like, like, you would, you would do that. Like, this is, that's Sammy, you know, like, I'm surprised you didn't go, like, to a shooting range just to be like, I shot a gun. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's you. Don't well, I, I usually do a lot of, sort of method work mm. sense that when I, I remember I did a film with Nicolas Cage called Stolen and the concept was I was stolen in the trunk of a taxi cab, was kidnapped and I spent most of the movie in the back of the cab. So a few weeks before I remember being in Miami and one of our good friends had just gotten a new car and I asked him, I was like, hey, uh, can I just sort of hang out in your trunk for a few hours? And he was like, what? <laughs> and I explained to him the situation. And so he let me hang out in his trunk and it gave me an awareness of what that would feel like, the claustrophobia. And it also made me feel a little bit more comfortable because we were doing, I mean, the stunts I did in that movie were, beyond beyond you'll actually find it funny I remember at one time um somebody almost went to blow my hair out in the pool and then realized that that was a bad and you cannot do that because we we're doing stunts in the trunk the trunk was in a pool at one point yeah. and it was about to drown it was, it was an amazing stunt setup um and they needed to dry my hair, hair. when someone almost brought a blow dryer. blow dryer into the pool and then realize, oh my goodness, I cannot do that. And then I got out of the pool. But, uh, oh my God. <laughs> Once again, not surprised. I'm surprised you're still living with all the stunts you do. No, no, I was, nothing happened. They didn't bring it in the pool. So it was crazy. Oh my gosh. What, um, okay, so now that you have hair, what's your routine? So I was late today because I still don't know how to do it. There's nothing in my hair. I got the part straight because I knew you'd yell at me. I, um, I don't. I don't really use anything except Christoph Robin aloe vera shampoo, and I use. Lilabo makes a rose conditioner uh -huh. I use, or I use a aloe vera Christoph Robin mask, um, really because my mother's 
great at shopping and buys all the best stuff. And then I just say, hey, I need to steal all of your stuff. Okay, now we know. Long and, and needs moisture. <laughs> um, but, uh, how do you normally wear it? Like if you're not, I know you're, you did your hair for me. I'm very honored. That's very yeah, sweet. I wear it up in a top knot or in a ponytail. The, the guy who cuts my hair, Matt Pigate, he is in LA. He moved to LA and he comes often, but not super often. He has a, a, a new baby. And uh, fortunately I had my hair cut in February, literally like flew in because he was in New York <laughs> to, to get it done. <laughs> and my hair has not gotten that long as a result of that. But when I don't see him for months at a time, I just sort of have a mutual agreement that I'll just put my hair up in a knot until he can cut it again. So. Good, I like these things. Cause <laughs> yes, good, good. I, I approve this message. Good job. Um, <laughs> how did you start working with your brother? How, how did that start? Um, I mean, I know he's your brother, but like, you know, from just being brother, sister to like, like working. Yeah. Cause you're basically so a producer, started, right? Yeah. So I think it started when I was three years old. <laughs> My brother used to wake me up at five in the morning, and I don't know why I listened, but I mean, it served me okay up until this point. He would wake me up and drag me downstairs and sit me by like a whiteboard my parents had purchased at Costco. And he would teach me everything he was learning two years ahead. So if he was learning multiplication, I would learn that. If he was learning how to read, he would have me read the book. If he was learning how to type, he had me doing typing games. I mean, I, I don't know how you're a parent of five. <laughs> um, and from a very young age we were very close and he was always engaged in whatever I was doing he would come around with me to all my dance competitions I would go with him to all of the swim meets that he was doing so it started really young and then it became more of a real business relationship <laughs> you could say when i was dancing in new york i was going once a month to dance at steps on broadway because i was at an all ballet school in florida and i wanted to do jazz tap and my level was pretty high at a very young age and i, I was allowed into all these very prestigious broadway classes and someone saw me and offered me a role in The Grinch. The first year around, her husband was the choreographer. And she said, just go see my husband. They need kids, you're in. <laughs> and my brother had bar mitzvah. And it was a four day extravaganza over Thanksgiving. It was literally the most blowout party you've ever seen in your life. I wish we were all older so that we could have experienced it as adults. <laughs> But my mother said, listen, this show is doing four shows a day, right? As a kid, you could only do three. So maybe I was doing three, but I would have missed virtually like 16 shows just being home for this bar mitzvah. And she was like, you cannot miss the bar mitzvah. So my brother felt really bad. He looked and looked and looked online. He finally found Gypsy with Patty LuPone. He had no idea who Patty was. Neither did I. I adore her. She's the best human on the planet, however. Right. 
You know. Sorry, I don't know who she was when I, I know who she was when I was when I was eleven. Um, but he found this audition and it was an open call. And I remember him saying with me to my parents in their bedroom, can we go to New York on one of these trips so I can audition for this? My parents were like, ha ah, ha you're gonna get that. So I went to Alvin Ailey on an open call and I went through a series of them. There was like an agent call. We didn't know who agents were. We didn't know that that call is not the only, you know, like end all be all thing. And I made it eventually into Gypsy. And then he thought, well, I'm pretty good at this. He knows how to look at backstage. He knows how to look at all the websites. So he started getting me auditions for other things. And I don't mean this in a sort of stuck up way, but as a child, I sort of booked everything he had me audition for. So at times he double booked me. Like I was booked in Billy Elliot while I was doing Gypsy and he didn't tell them, they didn't know they were dealing with a child. He didn't tell them that I was doing Gypsy. So he had me going in for all these roles and then I, I wasn't able to take them. So we had to bring on a manager and an agent, but yes. he was very involved in my career from the get go. And then as I got older, I didn't know he wrote. I remember being in LA, I think I was shooting something and he threw a script on my bed and he said, you have to read this. And I thought, what? He said, I've been writing. He said, I don't love all the roles that are coming your way. I want you to play strong female characters in films who are not reliant, you know, upon others. It's not, you know, just be in films about, you know, girl meets boy sort of things. And so I was just shocked, uh, but he really believed that if we wanted to see the stories we really believed needed to be heard, we needed to take matters into our own hands and do things ourselves. And that is how we sort of birthed our production company and how he wrote Candy Jar. And we co-produced the movie. We had an amazing producer who did most I mean, all of the heavy lifting to be Cairo. Um, but he wrote that as a vehicle for me to play the role that I would have benefited from seeing growing up. And Aww. yeah, he continued to be involved in my professional life, starting to write further scripts and now we have two films currently in development uh, which is really really exciting that's amazing yeah and now what he does we say because now he's running for office he doesn't he writes 30 minutes a day uh -huh. he does it in a creative outlet he doesn't care if the movie gets made or not but he's a brilliant writer so every time he writes a script someone wants to make the movie um but he's fully focused on his campaign and serving public office right now. He basically has all these scripts that he's already written that I am now sort of finding home for. Yeah. Huh. So he, he, uh, he and I have worked together since, since I was three, but yeah. I guess in a more um, real capacity. Mm. But my, the thing that I'm most excited about, so Chad's running for office now 
And because everything is a family affair, when he launched his campaign, I wanted to join him on his first campaign effort, which was to do, he's running for supervisor of elections in Broward County, which is the second largest county in the state of Florida, and also the, um, you know, Florida is the biggest swing state. So yeah. what happens Broward affects Legit. <laughs> wide outcomes. And he started his campaign by going on a 4,000 mile drive to visit all the supervisor of elections offices across the state of Florida to determine best practices that he could bring back to Broward County. And I joined him on that. Oh. And we sort of got unfettered access to the entire electoral system. It was mind blowing, life changing, and really gave me an understanding of the importance of voting. Oh. Um, and voter outreach and voter education and also the lack of that in Broward County compared with smaller counties with even fewer resources which had very robust voter outreach and voter education programs. So we decided that we wanted to put together an internship program for kids or students so that win or lose we were able to make a difference in that voter education realm and we didn't think that COVID was a thing when we thought about putting this together, um, but then COVID happened and we sort of had to reevaluate how we were going to educate young people in light right. of not being able to go into a room and have people work on a campaign. So we started the largest uh, vote by mail voter outreach effort in the state of Florida, which basically we called together, I think 20,000 people in the first two months. And then when we figured out that we could expand our original idea for a voter education effort to a sort of first ever um, virtual campaign internship, we brought on 80 interns to expand our uh, voter outreach effort, getting people to sign up to vote by mail or helping them do that if they want to. Um, and we call about 30,000 people a week. But the program, the program has just been amazing. It's basically like three parts. Each student does research on an elections related topic of their choice. They phone bank for six to eight hours a week, you know, getting to learn how to actually work on a campaign. And then for six hours a week, they have formal instruction where we hear from elected officials, Chad and myself, and, you know, they really get a sense of how to run for office, different elections related um, topics like election security. Um, and it's it's just been I one mean, of the ever done totally separate from what i usually do i did study political science when i was at columbia um, but i never thought i'd put it into practice in this way and i think that i will definitely engage um, in some sort of voting related effort um, yeah. forward post covid COVID. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org, because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.